This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals lose the lead late and the Bruins win it in overtime. Lars Heller leads with a lower body injury, his status uncertain for Game 3. And the series now shifts to Boston. Game 3 coming up tomorrow night. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 18th. Welcome to Caps this morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. It was all going according to plan until it wasn't. The Capitals battled back from two different one-goal leads, took a 3-2 lead in the third period, came within less than three minutes of locking it down, only to see the Bruins tie the game late on a goal from Taylor Hall and then win it in overtime 39 seconds in from Brad Marchand. Final score, 4-3. Boston wins game two, and Ben now the series tied at one game apiece. This was a frustrating game in the sense that the Capitals, again, did a lot right. They deserved a better fate, but it slipped through their fingers in the closing moments. I'll view this, John, as a, a missed opportunity for the Capitals with that late lead in the third period. So many plays happen over the course of a game. You can point to several different instances, but the game-tying goal that Taylor Hall scored for the Boston Bruins, defensive breakdown, he made a move to elude John Carlson along the boards moments later. They tie the game after a goal mouth scramble. I think it's a play that, uh, you know, from a Capitals perspective, there were areas that could have been handled better in that situation. It tied the game. Momentum on the Bruins side, and they ultimately win it in overtime thanks to another unforced error from the Capitals, a failed clearing attempt that the Bruins were able to take advantage of. So some unforced errors and a missed opportunity ultimately for a Capitals team, which on a night when they lost Lars Eller due to injury, and you started to see the Bruins headliners, as we expected, come to life a little bit. You had them on the ropes. You were minutes away from taking a 2-0 lead, heading back to Boston. Fortunately for the Capitals, the Bruins, you opened the door. They took advantage. They rallied. They won it. And really for the Caps, I think a tough one to let slip away in the manner in which it did. There's a lot to dissect here, and certainly there are a lot of good things to talk about, but the Lars Eller injury is the big thing to talk about today. Injured late in the second period, He did not return for the third. We got the statement in the third period from the Caps that said he was doubtful to return. The hope is, in an optional skate today in Arlington before the team heads to Massachusetts, Lars Eller needs to be okay. And if he's not, the center options, Ben, are pretty bleak, quite frankly, at the moment. Because if Genny Kuznetsov isn't ready, one would think. And you're looking at Michael Roffel. You're looking at TJ Oshie. You may be looking at some other internal option that hasn't played a whole lot, but the depth down the middle is rather stark in comparison to Boston if you don't have Lars Eller in this lineup. Yeah, such a valuable piece to to the Capitals for so many years here, and especially of late down the stretch in the regular season. Peter Laviolette singled him out, said over the course of the final two weeks of the season and into the playoffs, he was arguably the Capitals' best forward, best skater, Over that stretch, and when you think about his value at both ends of the ice in all situations, he's been elevated. You know, with the absence of Evgeny Kuznetsov, he's taken on bigger minutes, bigger responsibility, seen some power play time. He's a fixture on the penalty kill unit. And in this series, Eller, along with Michael Roffel and Connor Sherry, that's a trio that's been trusted, that's been deployed quite a bit. 
against Patrice Bergeron and the Boston Bruins number one line. There's so many things that Lars Eller can do in a series in which the Capitals have struggled in the faceoff circle. Eller has been pretty good in that regard, picking up the slack. And again, when you talk about how potentially thin they are down the middle with Kuznetsov still working his way back from the COVID absence and now potentially without Lars Eller, we certainly saw, you know, without Lars Eller at the end of game two, we'll see now moving forward, but that would be a tremendous blow for a Capitals team already dealing with some center depth issues, having TJ Oshie play down the middle, it's suboptimal, it's not ideal, and certainly the uh, potential loss of Lars Eller would be a very, very difficult blow going into Boston where you don't even have the advantage of the last change now for games three and four coming up. Well, and you don't have Lars Eller defensively, and we talked about it on yesterday's show, we talked about it during the broadcast last night. You need... Lars Eller for defensive reasons and now when you don't have final change in the next two games I mean Bruce Cassidy has a chance to really feast here and get the matchups that he really wants and if you don't have Eller if Yenny Kuznetsov did not play well against Boston defensively and the last time that they met and that is a bit of an issue so things that we'll be tracking here as we move forward let's talk about some good things TJ Oshie had a really nice tip goal on an Alex Ovechkin chance last night power play goal the Caps get power play chances they tend to do well against Boston that's something that could be good moving forward and the fourth line Garnet Hathaway two goals a beauty of a goal the second time around and now three goals from the fourth line in two games Ben in this series Yeah, the second goal that Hathaway had, the go-ahead marker about midway through the third period, seven minutes into the third period. That was was a goal scorer's goal right there, finishing off a feed from Dmitry Orlov and a very nice, subtle secondary assist as well from Carl Haglund from the neutral zone to get the play continuing up ice. But the fourth line to be able to contribute offensively, and again, the Nick Dowd game winner in game one in overtime, uh, an encouraging sign there. It's a little bit of a carryover to an extent from what we saw during the regular season. Such a reliable, trustworthy, constant trio. Talking about Dowd, Hathaway, and Haglin. And especially for Dowd and Hathaway to put up the offensive numbers they did this year. See that carry over now into the postseason. An encouraging sign we know from 2018. You can't make a deep run without those contributions. They've gone a little dry in 2019 and 2020 as far as bottom six offensive productivity in the playoffs. So at least nice to see. Maybe it's something they could build off of here moving forward so far in this series. Here's something else I like last night. Anthony Mantha did not score last night, but he certainly could have. And we had talked about what he needed to do to elevate his game real quiet down the stretch and seemed like the crisis of confidence had taken over. He just wasn't taking shots, passing up opportunities. He didn't do any of that last night. He was good. He got shots on net. He was driving to the net. He was winning battles along the boards. More of Anthony Mantle like that, please, moving forward, starting with game three tomorrow night. He played really well. Just a matter now of the finish going back to the regular season. It's now 12 games without a goal for Mantha, but but it looks like it's coming. It's just a matter of getting the finish. A game-high seven shots on goal last night in game two. And again, as you noted, just the eye test, you know, winning puck battles, winning board battles. He was a presence atop the crease. He was trying to bang in a few rebounds, looking for some greasy goals. He also had the shot working off the rush as well. So a lot to like from Mantha. And I, I was encouraged with the way he played too, John, because it followed up what he had said yesterday speaking to the media over zoom you know it's one thing to talk the talk and then you have to walk the walk but he said in pregame he said he was he was planning to be more greedy with the puck he knew he had to be trigger happy he knew he had to look for the net and shoot a little bit more he did 
now just a matter of finishing, but an encouraging sign, certainly the way he's played. And he may be a playoff newbie, but two games into this series, he doesn't look like it. He looks like he's been there before. Both coaches are going to say after game two last night, yeah, that's a lot of shots for our team to give up. And why don't we try and tamp that down a little bit? The Capitals gave up the most shots in a game they have given up all season, 48. But it's Craig Anderson. And look, he gives up two goals on the first five. I don't know that I necessarily fault him for either one of them, but it's a rough start no matter how you look at it. He ends up last night with 44 stops on 48. No doubt he's your guy in game three. And no matter what else is going on, whether it's Elias Samsonov, Vitek Vanacek feels better. I don't know, Ben, that it matters at this point. Whatever happens moving forward, I think Craig Anderson's the guy in this series if the Caps have a road to winning four games and moving on. Certainly the way he plays, it's encouraging and it maybe buys you more time with with Ilya Samsonov. You don't necessarily have to feel the need to rush him back and we'll see what his situation is here. Not ideal circumstance to come back from the COVID absence. He was off the ice. He couldn't do much as far as conditioning and working out. And again, he was off the ice entirely for almost two weeks. So he has to be cautious and the team has to be cautious in terms of Samsonov and getting him up to game speed. And I think at least the presence of Anderson and the way he played last night, unfortunate for him, Capitals couldn't get a win because he was deserving of it. You're right. He settled down after allowing a couple of goals early. Again, that veteran presence, that savviness. I think the team has confidence in him. No need necessarily to rush Samsonov back. And I feel you could ride with Anderson at this point to the best option you have here moving forward. Elsewhere last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs, how about what went on between Nashville and Carolina? They open up their Central Division first round best of seven in Raleigh. Philip Forsberg opened up the scoring midway through the first for Nashville. The Preds did have a lead in that game at one to nothing, but Jordan Stahl, a pair of goals for the Canes. They end up pulling away and shutting it down 5 2 the final. Carolina wins. Ben, I kind of get the feeling that the Preds are not long for this Stanley Cup playoff, and they had the unfortunate drawing of Carolina in the first round. The Canes are good. The Canes have had a couple of years of seasoning now, and they look like a team that can make a serious push. And, oh, by the way, not to look too far ahead, but whoever wins that series between the two Florida teams going up against Carolina in round two, that will be must-see TV, but I think Carolina is going to have this one in hand. I don't give Nashville too much of a chance here. Oh, exactly. I think the story in the Central Division, and it certainly became apparent during the second half of the season, perhaps more so than any other division. Maybe you could make the case with the Honda West as well, but I think the Central, more so than any other division, there was the incentive to finish in first place and to avoid that dreaded two versus three matchup because some combination of Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, and ultimately was Tampa and Florida who had to meet in round one. That matchup, that series, that's going to take a lot out of you. And Carolina certainly on paper has the easier path to go through a Predators team, which went through their ebbs and flows during the regular season and certainly game one last night. An indication of that Carolina well-oiled machine and turning to the rookie in goal and Alex Nedeljkovic, Rod Brindamore had options with Peter Morazic and James Reimer on the roster as well, but they go with the kid. They come up with a three-goal margin of victory in game one. Is that legal in these playoffs, John? You're allowed to win by more than one goal in the playoffs? I didn't know that was a thing this year. You're allowed to finish in regulation too, but that doesn't seem to happen a whole lot. But almost a blowout-like win for Carolina, and yes, well set up they are. Keep it going and potentially make a deep run, as you noted. 
There's a lot coming up here in the next 24 hours. Ken and I are getting on a plane today, Ben. We have not been on a plane since March of last year. We are flying to Boston today. We will be on site for games three and four, and a lot more to come on tomorrow's show because of that. Capitals will be flying up later on this afternoon. But game three, a 6.30 start. Happy hour hockey, Ben, coming your way from Boston for game three and four. A happy hour special. Looking forward to it, yes. And hopefully the Capitals get back on track and are able to restore their series lead here. Game day on Caps Radio 24-7 at 4 o'clock tomorrow with Ben. Until then, we'll see you later. Have a great Tuesday, Ben. Happy Tuesday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.